everyone, this is Yuzar Oaf and this is The Female Angle, a podcast about women and their stories and some wise advice. Today with me, I have a very special guest. Her name is Noor Manbiwala. Um, she is a lawyer, she is a poet, she is a guitarist, and she is an entrepreneur and much more. Noor. Yuzar. How are you, Noor? I'm good. How are you? How's your day been? It's been great because I started it by having chai with you. So. Ooh, okay, yeah. We did have a little chai session <laughs> because we're running um, a little late on time, but we will manage. We will manage like everything, indeed. So, Noor, I want to talk about how you trans... Uh, because, Noor, um, you studied law, right? I did, yes. I'd, at SOS. Um, SOS, yeah. Mm. So, just tell me about that experience. Let's start from how you got interested in law as a degree okay. and how you transitioned to being an entrepreneur. Okay, so um, I think uh, when I started applying for university and stuff, I was 18. Mm. And uh, if I'm going to be honest with you, I actually didn't know what the hell I wanted <laughs> to do. Um, I think there's so much pressure on like young people to kind of figure out what they want for the rest of their lives. And it's almost unfair to ask them to make that decision at such mm. a young age. So I was like super, super confused. I come from a family of lawyers, so I just thought, okay, you know, whatever the hell, I'll apply and see what happens. So Continue the family legacy. Yeah, I and I mean, it's something that's useful, like that degree is useful to me on a daily basis almost. Okay, so, okay, cool. Yeah, um, like law is never something that can't be useful, right? Hmm. So I uh, applied and I got in and I was like, okay, let's do this. And... Um, Throughout law school, like I learned so many invaluable things, and but then when I moved back, throughout the three years there as well, I always kind of felt like, hmm, I don't know. Hmm. I started really liking it in my third year, but I never really was sure about practice. Hmm. Um, so when I came back, my mom, she runs Tony and Guy, and she was actually bringing in a new franchise hmm. of a Sri Lankan retail business. Okay. So she said, you know, I could use the help. Why don't you help me out? So hmm. I said, okay. Yeah. And. Um, it was kind of like a beautiful accident because it started with me kind of just helping her out. And then I was like, damn, I really enjoy this. You know, I like the business world and I think it's so invigorating and fulfilling, especially as a woman here. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. A beautiful accident. Hello. No, um, actually, I wanted to ask you, you mm -hmm. said, okay, the f uh, obviously law, law, uh, like law as a field is yeah. very helpful, right? Yeah. Can you, do you remember any instance in Pakistan where... You be having a law degree mm -hmm. was specifically helpful. Like, you know, you run into a police and you're like, okay, this is against my constitutional rights or does that not happen? Mostly, I mean, I've never run into the police, thank <laughs> God. But I know for someone who has. Never had a run-in with them, at least not yet. Uh, yeah, but you were like, um, Yo, you're defying my constitutional rights. I know the constitution. And <laughs> I was like, okay. But mostly, I mean, it's been useful in like a business context, like mm -hmm. in terms of, for example, contract law, drafting up agreements, things like that. Like, Ooh, so you know how to do this? Yeah, I mean, I can. I, I still need a little bit of help. With it because like I said I'm not practicing hmm. but my sister is practicing so I usually kind of ask her like please check this cool, for me cool. um, so and interpreting contracts and like you know reading what you sign making sure that you understand what you're obligated hmm. to do so those I think the most useful skill is reflective in that aspect of what I'm currently doing okay cool yeah, cool yeah. you know um, what I find fascinating is the jargon used in law mm -hmm. because it's a pretty strict jargon like you know I've heard in law, if you even like make a spelling mistake, that could cost you like billions of dollars, or I exa is that exaggerated? But then to juxtapose that, yeah. 
you're also a poet yeah. and a yeah. poet's job is to play around with words uh-huh. Uh-huh. so it's a pretty unique combination of uh, language i think i've always loved writing mm-hmm. um i've always loved the humanities i think that's what yeah. pushed me towards law like i still love reading about like legal arguments and legal text um that's i just didn't think the practice <laughs> itself was for me because i'm i'm edging towards more like creative stuff mm-hmm. rather than just strictly corporate okay um but yeah i think i've just always loved writing and i mean i only started writing poetry like 2 years ago mm-hmm. so it's a fairly recent thing that i'm still discovering for myself all right yeah. um was there a specific text of book you read or a specific moment in your life where you realized the magic of poetry or um was it sudden it was sudden it, i mean i think i've i've always read and enjoyed poetry especially mm-hmm. poets like franco hara is like one of my favorite poets Ooh, nice um and but it it kind of happens almost it's like a feeling that comes mm-hmm. and it's my way of processing what happens around me like if it's bad news or good news oh. it's just kind of like that's how i understand the world and i have to just put it on paper hmm. to process that thing for myself oh. so it's almost it started off as a very selfish thing like i did it for myself to understand my feelings but now not selfish at all man do you <laughs> <laughs> but now it's kind of like i like writing about things that i observe externally okay so, so it's kind of like therapy for you like you know it's a way to release certain emotions very true yeah yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's beautiful uh, but um I wanted to talk about language mm-hmm. and particularly in the context of violence against women yes. because you um if you guys haven't checked out um Noor's uh poem on Noor Mukaddam it's beautiful it's heart-wrenching and it will make you feel all the feels but um <laughs> I wanted to talk about language in the context of women because mm-hmm. language is language is unique because yeah. language like the way we speak can come with a lot of interpretations and a lot of power and you know even the way language is shaped around women it's very passive yes. violence against women how yes. many women were raped not who raped how many women you know like exactly. it's always like violence like why not who did the crime like you know like sarosh like or so like you know the name is always like the the women is always gaslit yeah. like i think it's time we shift the onus on the on the males right mm-hmm. like males are taught uh, males are learned this behavior not taught this behavior correct like, correct what do you have to say about that So I recently came across um this uh, scholar his name is Jackson Katz and I really recommend everyone check out his dead dog from 2012 because <laughs> he is he, I mean it blew my mind really mm-hmm. um and he talks a lot about the language that we use when we discuss violence against women and he doesn't use that as a phrase in isolation instead he says men's violence against women because Perfect, yeah. it's not just it's it's you need to like you said shift the focus on the perpetrator of the crime rather mm. than the victim mm. and it's interesting because the way that the current language is framed mm. in news yeah. and in media it takes attention away from the men and it exactly. focuses more on the victim and it's interesting because when you make that discourse primarily when you switch that up and you make it primarily about men you focus on the fact that hang on this is a men's issue what's going on with men why are they committing these crimes mm. why are they becoming violent in the mm. first place those are the questions that you really need to get down to exactly exactly because right now 
like it's almost like our cognitive thinking is kind of including our own as women because of just things that we see on the media on a mm-hmm. daily basis it's wired to blame victims rather than look at hey one second this is a man's problem exactly and i felt like we were also very shamed like you know we speak on feminism it's like an anti male issue it's so suddenly seen as, as an aggressive issue uh-huh. and like you know if males or like uh like you you see those bro like boy like boy locker room talks where they're just like uh, you know if they're saying something problematic mm-hmm. the other guy is afraid to say it in that context yeah but he's still going to be fe- like because then the males would make him feel like less of a man yeah. which is really weird because you know uh, a lot of the arguments that i hear are um, oh like you know mardu ke sath bhi to violence hota hai but mm-hmm. do you know zyada tar mardu ke sath jo violence hota statistically that's true it's men from are, men it's as from well men as exactly, well yeah. so why don't they highlight that that mardu ke khilaf jo violence hota hai aur mm-hmm. aurton ke khilaf it's fr- from men yeah. it's from these uh, macho men that we see the toxic men that we interact with mm. who are who are hiding themselves yeah. and i think it's time to like you know for them to stand up because i feel like uh like you know masculine men have a lot of influence and it's sometimes women need to take a back seat sometimes the men need to speak up like i feel so relieved when i see a male friend of mine yeah. speaking up on feminism because yeah. i'm like dude good for you like you know it's it's fucking time like you know mm-hmm. do something about mm-hmm. it same here and i mean going back to what you said about language i think all these gender based issues mm. just the way that we discuss it i mean it should be inclusive of men because as you said correctly it also affects men as well like toxic exactly. masculinity is something that's real and that is also a major cause of all these other problems yeah like I was so happy. Sorry, <laughs> go ahead. No, I was just gonna say we need more men to have that kind of courage and strength to be able to talk about it because it's not it's not Definitely. only affecting probably women who are dear to them in their own lives, but them as well. Because why should you feel as if you are being feminine just mm. because as a man mm. just because you're speaking about women's rights? I mean, yeah. If you if you say it out loud, almost like all this talk of how language interacts with the the gender issues of the world. it almost sounds obvious like these issues are affecting men and women so why don't men also start talking about it like why why is it yeah. seem as such a aggressive or such a targeted issue like mm-hmm. you know you're like you're you're targeting someone because truth be told their privileges are being affected yeah a lot of men are going to lose lose up on toxic privileges mm-hmm. that they are gaining from it mm-hmm. even most of the domestic violence cases that we see in pakistan it's not because that anger or he's an alcoholic that's part of that but it's more about controlling yeah. the person like controlling like why isn't she listening to me i need to control her mm. so i'm going to beat her up you know that's that's the shift uh, that, that we're seeing and uh, it's kind of sad because i feel like um our leaders mm. like imran khan or like like in the uk or like wherever in the world they let you down they let us down yeah, time yeah. and time again like i would be so happy to see imran khan for one say okay you know men aren't robots men true. should control themselves true and the thing is that i mean for me um i know that earlier when we had a discussion you were talking about how words can be super powerful mm-hmm. sometimes it feels as a writer because i feel let down by all of these institutions mm-hmm. that's my only place to go so there mm-hmm. is a certain powerlessness i also feel you know yeah. because that's where i go to when nothing else gives me what i want you know ah. so so um you're a writer but you're also a musician yeah so how does music play a role in all of that 
Music is something that's I've just loved since like I was a kid. I've really? just been obsessed with literally and I've played instruments since I was a kid. I've been singing for a while. By the way guys, Noor is a phenomenal singer. You should check her out. Thank <laughs> you. That's very kind. Um but yeah, and I mean since we're talking about the female angle, mm-hmm. I mean being there's like I think for every 20 male singers there's one female singer in Pakistan that Ooh, at least is that similar in the music industry too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh so my god, that's actually news to me. That's what I've been told at least and uh, from what I've observed like working in studios and stuff most of the people most producers I've spoken to are men. Mm-hmm. Um there is definitely not enough female representation in the music industry. There isn't either, there yeah. isn't. And I there's a lot of like from what I've heard it's not very much a safe space. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's what would make uh, someone like me feel hesitant to mm, It's know. interesting you bring this up because I have a lot of um because um I'm doing my degree like my degree is basically production right yes. so basically a lot of my seniors mm. uh they're working at production houses and I won't name any but they say a lot of the comments that they get is oh she slept her way through mm-hmm. which is the most disrespectful thing you can say about a girl yeah. which is you are undermining all her achievements at yeah. that point yeah and it's uh, it's sad but people think like this mm-hmm. and you know it also benefits us like you know sexism like i was working at a place and they was like oh baji aap nahi jaye aap aurat hain hum aapke liye kursi bichha dete hain and stuff like that mm-hmm. and like you know and it's not to say only men commit violence against women and that you know women women daughter violence nahi hota yeah, yeah lesbian yeah, bantering yeah. nahi hoti yeah. lekin majority of the violence right mm. that's committed by men yeah. so it's good that we like you know we need to speak up on that yeah Yeah. Um so tell me more about Tony and Guy though. Uh shifting to a less serious topic. Yeah. Um so you have beautiful hair by the way man. Like I I just can't stop staring at the like feathers and the layers are just flowing through. It kind of needs to be a, a bit of a marketing gimmick cuz like I can't not have nice hair. You can't. Point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, true, true. But I'm glad it's working. I'm glad it's working. Yeah. think it it's definitely working mm. but um tell me about um how you managed Tony and Guy so my mom brought Tony and Guy i think about nearly 15 years ago to pakistan it was mm-hmm. actually the first um international salon business to come into south asia at mm-hmm. that time i believe it was uh bef- i think it's 20 2005 or 2006 i'm not sure okay. but she opened the flagship salon in 2008 okay and um It's cool because I mean like I said beautiful accident how I started working with her right but now yeah. she's one of my biggest inspirations in the sense of being an empowered independent woman and I feel like not a lot of people especially in Pakistan considering like you know most of our nation lives in poverty like people mm. don't have those kind of role mm. models in their homes to look after look up to yeah so I feel really blessed to beautiful be able to have that yeah. and even within the Tonian guy business I mean a lot of the women that we employ uh they are they're, they're badass you know i mean i i i feel i feel inspired every day at work because uh we have single moms who are supporting households and supporting children we have abandoned wives you know like oh, really wow. like sad stories but what's great to see is that and and speaking about the business and from an employer's perspective once you give those women the chance and the environment to thrive in a space where they feel like they can move forward and grow and um, feel safe they do really thrive i mean they're doing great so you could not have said it in better terms yeah. because i feel like most like majority of the women in pakistan 
just need an opportunity to yeah. thrive. You yeah. know, if you just give them a platform, this is why I started this honestly mm-hmm. because I just wanted. Even though I am, I am bringing uh, realistically, I am bringing people from an upper middle class, mm. but just because someone from an upper middle class or a mid- lower middle class family does not mean that they do not have problems yeah. or women do not struggle or they do not ha- find parallels of and women. I also feel like when you're in a position where you have a voice, like, like you said, because mm. I write, mm. um, when you have that ability to put pen to paper mm. and make sense out of things, I almost feel an, an obligation to uh, to say something. I, f- I would feel guilty if I didn't. Dude, for, uh, for sh- like... 100% because mm. I feel like if someone is not saying something, if they're complicit, they're act- actively participating in that complicity. Yeah. Like, you know, like a lot of my men friends, like sweet male friends, mm-hmm. um, uh, they g- I get really prickly about like male issues. Mm. And uh, they're just like, oh, why are you telling this to us? We've never like, you know, laid eyes on a woman or heard a woman that way. I was like, okay, tell me one incident where you explicitly defended a woman's right. Yeah. yeah. And all of them went silent. Mm. So, you know, it's like, I, I feel very happy that some men are speaking out, but I just feel like there needs to be more of them. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, I really hope men also listen to my podcast and men read up on some books yeah. about feminism yeah. Yeah. and we can educate them mm-hmm. in, a, in a nicer manner. Also, I feel like sometimes um, feminism for all its perks comes off a little aggressive too. Just uh, at the Aurat March, uh-huh. uh, I saw a lot of me- men participating. And I feel like I feel like that should have been highlighted more. I love the Arth March. I go there every year. Yeah. But um, I feel like you know if they are participating, because those men can convince their men, male friends about yeah. Yeah. toxic behavior. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like if there's a male friend who's like st- constantly stalking his ex, and you know, uh, like you know, like constantly asking her where she is or who she's seeing. We all know people like that. Mm-hmm. So, and if one male brave male friend says, "Ki, bhai." that's problematic behavior you need to stop not just because he's concerned about his friend's girlfriend but he's concerned about the friend itself yeah because these toxic behaviors isolate the the perpetuator Mm -hmm. so i think what you said is really true we need to start seeing it as a root violence stem yeah yeah and again like i'm not an expert on the issue and i'm not Mm. claiming to be but I feel like it's something that everyone should at least be aware of. I know. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think... Because women have experienced assault, like, in some manner or the other. Yeah. Almost, like, 99% of us. So, even if someone isn't an expert, mm-hmm. we've experienced it. True. So, true, 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 true. If it's all right if, you know, you'd say it's yeah. something. Yeah. Something I think that I, w- I really wanted to discuss is um, what I've kind of learned being a female entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's interesting because I feel like in a place where generally in Pakistan the population is, I, I, I'm not sure what the right word is to use, but maybe repressed and um, not very exposed mm. in that sense. I, I feel like it's important, at least what I've learned, to build a very sensitive workplace. And that's something I feel like it's not talked about enough. Sensitive workplace. Can you elaborate? What I kind of mean, or maybe more an empathetic workplace. Maybe that's a better way of framing it. Because I think that's really important. Please go on. So, and I I find that when you kind of study places that are run by women, Mm. you will find a healthier workspace generally. Mm. Because... I'll give you an example. Um, there's an organization in Pakistan called Beti. 
Um, okay. And uh, the head of that, Rama Shahid, she goes around uh, giving gender sensitivity trainings to corporates. So, wow. you know, sitting down employees and talking about, you know, what's problematic, what's not, what you can do to help your colleagues mm-hmm. maybe. Um, and guys, definitely check her out. She's really cool. Um, I will now. She sounds badass. <laughs> that kind of education is not really given even in schools here, you know. So I think as an employer, it's important to not only do that for the women, but also for the men mm. who work for you in order to create a really, really, really safe and workspace which encourages you to be a team player and to be mm. see everyone in an equal light. It's actually a very good point, especially in the corporate, because I've never heard anyone say this. So Tony and Guy actually did this um, globally. And I think it had different effects in different countries because it was basically a mindfulness kind of workshop Mm -hmm. which taught you how to um, check in with yourself and how to be the best that you can be Mm -hmm. at work. And I thought that was really cool because it also, like you said earlier about toxic masculinity, men aren't encouraged to ever do that, right? So I think it had like a knock-on effect at least in our workspace mm-hmm. because we saw men being more sensitive and being you know being just showing up better mm-hmm. um and it just you know it, the 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 effects of that even subconsciously i think are great yeah i so, I, I agree 100 percent. and yeah. scientifically also women are proven to be more empathetic mm-hmm. like we're just more empathetic creatures yeah. so i feel like for a woman to lead those sort of workshops and to um because you know men have the ability to learn mm-hmm. it's just that they're taught these things yeah they're yeah. not like it's not a genetic thing it's not instilled in them by birth they're taught these uh, toxic behaviors so if there are workshops that are offering that i I would suggest everyone uh to go take them or either if they can't just search it up on youtube and like there's so many online resources (laughs) i feel like in today's world as an employer it's something that you have to do because Mm. it's it's become so important and there's so many women that are screaming about these issues all the time and empathy is a very strong emotion i feel like it's seen as a weakness it's not Mm. being Mm. empathetic is the most human thing Mm -hmm. one can do yeah and i think it's wonderful that you're bringing that to your workplace so thank you for coming to my podcast noor thank you for having me more than thrilled to have such a nice conversation yeah it was um usually what i do in my podcast is i smile like a hyena so when i'm reviewing my podcast it's just like "Mm," me smiling because i'm so excited whenever anyone comes in yeah but very very delighted that you're here sorry for the mid interruption that no happened worries, no worries, but lovely to have you and please check her out on instagram she has a really really nice voice and also i forgot to mention noor is half sri lankan <laughs> which is very cool i'm like quarter or something like quarter sri lankan yeah. we're, we're there. <laughs> so. okay